0: Things. I am Danger, you are listening to the Bullpen Bulletins Podcast with your host Spinspeak and um, David Bryce. X51 needs a few moments to recharge his power source after he undimerged subroutines, he's a frisky devil. Speaking of devils, has anyone seen my father? Father, you can hear me, can't you? You know what I want. I don't want to kill you. I want to beat you to death.
1: Out there at Marble Face front. This is Stan Lee speaking.
2: Hey, who made you a disc jockey lady?
3: Well, well, Jolly Jack Herbie.
2: By the way, Jack, the readers have been complaining about Sue's hairdo again.
3: What am I supposed to do? Be a hairdresser? Next time I'll draw her bald headed.
2: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Bullpen Bulletins podcast, a celebration of all things Marvel. I'm Vince B. I'm David Price, and uh, we have something very special for you tonight. It's the first instance of our Marvel Spotlight uh, segment. So, uh, what'll
3: that- uh, what 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 what'll uh, Marvel Spotlight entail?
2: I'm glad you asked. <laughs> well, I was my, looking around to see if anybody else would. Yeah, this, <laughs> all the three people that listen are like, <laughs> Wow, our Marvel Spotlight segment, while on the one hand it's a nod to the past, you know, because of the old Marvel Spotlight magazine comic. That's how I got
3: introduced to introduce Paladin.
2: And, jeez, there was a <laughs> lot of characters that came through yes. Marvel Spotlight. Um, then See, you derailed my train of thought. Okay, Marvel Spotlight. <laughs> it. <laughs> Once in a while, we will take a look at a a single issue or a series or an arc or a collected edition or a hardcover or even a one-shot that uh, we think is deserving of a little bit closer scrutiny than it's received. We'll pull back the uh, covering a little bit and try and get underneath and find out what makes this thing tick. And today's episode, we're going to focus on Joss Whedon and John Cassaday's Astonishing X-Men 1 to 12. Yes. How about that?
3: I think it's great. However, I don't think we can just call it the the Joss Whedon and John Cassidy Astonishing X-Men run because Laura Martin's colors. Actually, Harvey Award winner Laura Martin won her award based on the colors for Astonishing X-Men, and you also uh, can't neglect uh, Chris Heliopoulos on letters.
2: Right. I think uh, Ms. Martin's going to have a run for her money next year from Mr. Hollowell, but that's just my opinion. Uh, I do like her colors a lot; I really do.
3: And on this book, on on this, yeah, on, on this oh. title, it was just top notch. Yeah,
2: she. A lot of the scenes are uh, if uh, Cassidy's art was the focus, it, her her colors was the reason why. Yeah, I think. Um, but before we get to that, we got to do the shout out thing, and you know,
3: we got a couple of things. So. I haven't talked to you for a while. How are you doing? I'm not doing too bad. I uh you know, things are uh things th- things are pretty good. Things are pretty good. I'm uh, I'm talking to you through Skype through my birthday present. Uh Renee was uh was was kind enough to uh to get me a MacBook and uh and I can't just say she got me a MacBook without also mentioning Chris Niesman from Around Comics who somewhat had a hand in it. Um so you allow that? Uh, he had yeah, a, well, he, you know, he had a hand in it. Come on. He did. He did. Well, it was he's in Chicago, so there wasn't actually any physical contact. Right. So I was happy. I was I, I was safe. <laughs> um I'm slowly weaning away from from the dark side and uh and and learning uh learning a few things on on um on how nice it is to actually work on a machine that you don't have to work at. So that's that that's fun. But as and as far as comics go, let's see. I've um I'm I'm up to issue 12 on X-Factor so I'm caught up on on that more or less I just um hopefully I'll hit the comic shop this weekend because um there was a long awaited uh long delayed book that came out uh, today actually and uh let me guess did uh, you happen to make it to the uh, to the comic shop you
2: bet your ass I did <laughs> yeah it was one of those days uh after spending the majority of my time yesterday trying to avoid all the spoilers, because every message board I went to had them, you know. Okay. And a- after a while, it got to the point where I would click on them just to see, you know, what the hell was going on. And one of them said, um, OMG! Exclamation point. Mary Jane dies. And then I clicked on it, and it said, her hair. <laughs> you know, so I was like, yeah. So I spent the, the, a nice chunk of my online time yesterday avoiding the spoilers and today I spent a nice amount of time just checking out what people had to say and from what I can tell it, this one is not going over that well. well what, and
3: what 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 exactly are you talking about?
2: Civil War number 4, buddy.
3: Okay, okay. Yeah,
2: and see did I I did not say that?
3: You did not say that.
2: Wow. Oh, I'm just, you know, everybody if if anybody bought a book today, it was going to be Civil War 4. I mean, come on. You know what else came out today?
3: Ghost Rider number three. Yeah,
2: and X Factor eleven, which made me wonder what kind of time machine you're on that you got up to <laughs> X Factor twelve. But <laughs> ten, I said. Ten. <laughs> oh, okay. Let's rewind ah, that. Jeez. No, but uh, yeah, I read it, and uh, to you know, this is totally spoiler-free uh, observation of the issue. I will say it's simultaneously heartbreaking. Very bleak. There are little bits of um, see how do I say it without without spoiling it for anybody? You know, it it was it was everything I thought it would be, and I think that was the reason why I was. I don't want to say I was a little bit disappointed because it's a chapter in a longer piece, which, okay. you know, every chapter can't be slam-bam, you know, be-all sure. be, be all and end-all of comics. It, I felt I got my $2.99 worth at the end of this issue. It was very well drawn. It was amazingly colored. Dexter Vines' inks were really, really sweet. Uh, there are certain things in it that happen that, being a long-time reader of the Marvel Universe, you know, I don't want to say, I mean, it broke my heart. It really did.
3: Was it, was anything okay, and and because it it broke your heart, was anything did anything seem out of place? I mean people have been talking how you know certain characters aren't acting like the way they've been acting.
2: Yeah, there's there's one part in it that I think Mr. Miller made a bad judgment call. Okay, that's, that's all I'm gonna say. But okay. but um, you know, that's my opinion at this point in the game. I'm sure he's gonna take steps to uh you Spound know fi- yeah, to fix that. Okay. Uh, if he uh, if he if he puts his game pieces on the on the table, I think he's gonna you know take care to plan it all out before he starts moving them around. So right. yeah, I think he's got this sucker planned out. So we're just okay. let's see where he goes. And today, how about this? I um, after I I'm coming back from the comic book store. I had my little guy with me, and I thought I'd take a swing by the uh, Walmart because I'm a Marvel Legends junkie. I gotta get that you know that piece that's going to finish my apocalypse. So uh and and then what is it about Mar- about Walmart cashiers that they got to comment on what you're buying.
3: Oh, I'm glad I don't shop at your
2: Walmart. Oh, it's like so I'm I'm standing there in line and I got well I I found a couple figures. And uh you know, it's me and my son and he's 2 years old. So I get up to the to the cashier and she goes, "Oh, you're buying your son some toys." I said, no, these are for me. And I swear, it was like I hit her in the cheek with my dick. Her her, her, her reaction, she'd go, oh, you know. Yeah, I'm 41 years old, and I'm still buying action figure. So what, you know? It was unbelievable.
3: <laughs> yeah, I can imagine it would be.
2: Did I get you on that one? Oh,
3: you got me on that one, you bastard.
2: Yeah. All right my 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 job here's done.
3: Yes, we can just call it a night now. Yeah.
2: But um hey, the forum is jumping.
3: <laughs> yes, yes it is. I mean, we have uh and and that forum is located at com, and uh we've got uh we've got our boy, uh, got our boy Mike in Portugal who uh, who's just been uh quite prolific in in such a short amount of time and um he's uh he's and you'll been
2: you'll hear him later on in the show
3: excellent yes he um uh, if if he sounds as good as he writes then 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 i'm in love he uh he's just been all over the boards he's uh he's you know he hasn't had anything and you know he's he's like one of the um it's like the ideal poster he's not negative in any way he doesn't you know he's not he's not picking on anybody he's not uh you know throwing his weight around he um he's just a uh, all-around great guy yeah. uh you know quite quite unlike uh quite unlike paper cut you know we, we 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 can't we we can't make fun of dan too much Dan has been uh Dan we actually have to um apologize for for leaving him off the list last week because like he said, he was one of the uh the second people on on the board signing up and uh and and we we neglected to mention him last week, so we we rectify that now, you know Dan we do love you and and what's neat is um I thought it was could be pretty cool that, that Dan comes over to our board and he's got this nice little signature. It's an around comics banner and, and you know, friends of the show and we, we we love everybody over there. And um and and I'm like, Oh, this is neat. He's got a cute little uh around comics banner in his signature. I says, maybe maybe over at Around Comics he he's got a a bullpen bulletins banner and uh, so I'm over there and I'm checking out some of his forum posts and uh and and no, there's there's no bullpen bulletins banner in his signature. But that's all right. I, I think we can we we can let him slide for now. He
2: broke my heart. He
3: did. It really, you know. I mean, you know, I you just... think
2: you know a guy, and then you're back, and then twists a knife, and then yeah, I think he peed in the wound after he. Oh. And, yeah, yeah. He's like that, you
3: know. Yeah oh, but that's man. all right. We got yeah, we got
2: that's... we have organic matter now. We've
3: got organic matter. We've that's... got Brian Balls. We've got Braxton. We've got Jefferson we've got Rat, right, and if we got um,
1: Equinox we got
3: Matt S we got Equinox my god if you know I don't know if he I think his uh, his work day revolves around you know making sure he 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 can uh, visit the forum he uh, we need a cult yeah
2: let's the, not the, the forget it's mighty tasty let's not forget Darth Kramer who recently Never. celebrated a birthday as well yes you know that guy's great and Love he's got him. an
3: upcoming wedding
2: yeah his his, his, Poor pe- guy. his pending nuptials yes <laughs>
3: But uh, he's he's no he's 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 on it every day. I mean, it's just it's it's did we mention Braxton? Because you know he gets caught in your throat yeah. sometimes. And okay, all right. Oh, he's he's a big guy. You're not kidding. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's it's just it's it's been a blast. It's been fun. Matthew Guy has uh, has commented on our episodes, yep. and he seems to be enjoying it. And, and 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 he's he's a diehard DC guy. So for him to uh, stick around and and tell us that uh, he's enjoying what we. Have to say that uh, that means a lot.
2: Yeah, well, he's my number one target. I'm going to lure his ass away from. And you talk about the dark side. Yeah,
0: <laughs>
2: you will be ours, Matthew Guy.
3: Hi, my name is Derek Howard. I'm the host of the Comic Book Noise podcast, and I'd like to announce that nominations are now being accepted for the Noisy Awards. There are a lot of awards out there, but the Noisies are being brought to you by comic book podcasters for fans of comic book podcasts. By going to www.deliberitnoise.com and clicking on the Noisy Awards link, you'll find this promo, other audio files explaining things in more detail, a list of all the categories, and of course, contact information. Now, this isn't about driving a bunch of traffic to my site so I can sell ad space. This is about getting the voices of comic book podcast fans heard. We don't have our own comic book category in any of the major podcast directories, and I'll bet most comic book fans don't even know what a podcast is. This award is for us, and I hope you'll support our efforts by taking a few minutes to nominate your favorite creators and titles. Thanks.
2: Well, I think we should jump into this, because we have a little bit of ways to go here. We've got 12 issues to cover.
3: Yes. Now, And we'll, and we'll get to these 12 issues sooner than they initially came out, because the series started in, in July of 2004, and I, I think issue 12 came out uh, earlier this year.
2: Now see, that's one of the one things I wanted to talk about, because my experience of this run and your experience are two totally different animals. Now, I bought the hardcover. So right. I'm getting all twelve issues in a, a a nice assortment of covers and sketch material and and stuff, you know, in one shot. There's no waiting in, on, on my end, but you, right. y- you said that you read this while you were in college.
3: I read this when uh, when I was when, when I was going after my master's. So I basically always had something to read. I, you know, late, late books to me are not the end of the world in the sense that if I'm reading it in chunks anyway. If I'm waiting another week or two, that's fine. I'll I'll get back to that series when the when the next issue comes out. So, but because I did read these twelve issues, and or I actually read them pretty much. I read the first arc, and then when I got the second six, I read the dangerous arc, and that's pretty much how I just went about it. Now that uh, I was rereading them, there were a lot of things that I. Either forgot or didn't pick up on before because I wasn't going through it. it with the idea that I'll be talking about it later or taking notes I mean I for one thing, I thought that um you know I never understood the whole Emma and Scott thing, and we'll get into it when Kitty talks to Emma about um her feelings on the woman, and that's kind of my feelings, but as the issues go on and you see some of the play between Scott and Emma, you kind of like okay, maybe I was a little harsh on her because, like I said, I read it when it came out and I put it away, and now I'm reading it again. And because I'm also reading these 12 issues again with what's going on in the Astonishing X-Men title right now, things are a little bit more, uh, aha, instead of just, okay, read it and file it. So I am having fun rereading it, but like you said, you know, there was, there was the delay... The delay didn't affect me in the sense that, okay, well, it's been one month, where's the next issue? Right. And that wasn't the end of the world for me.
2: And like you said, the current issues, uh, Whedon goes out of his way to foreshadow those things early on. Every arc has a, a little instance buried in it that, in it, for, the, for the sharp-eyed reader, kind of in, indicates what's going to happen next. Right. And I thought that was pretty neat on his part to do that. But, um, again, I should say that going into this, I wasn't the biggest uh, Joss Whedon fan in the world. In fact, if I saw maybe four episodes of Buffy, it was a lot. And as far as, uh, what's that other thing? Firefly or whatever.
3: Firefly, Serenity. Serenity.
2: I mean, I, I've, I've never seen that stuff, I, you know. It doesn't exist, as far as I'm concerned. So I concern. So, I was going into this with nothing but a name: Joss Whedon, writer of snappy dialogue, good with kids, you know. Okay. So, okay. and I, I, you know, I had heard that the man can handle himself very well. So there was, you know, that curiosity, and then you said. Um, once uh, you know you you read astonishing, and I said no, I don't. And you were like, it, 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 <laughs> like I, <laughs> you know, I stepped on your cat or something. But so I was very interested to see what he could do, and not to give away my feelings on the whole run. But I think one to six, the gifted storyline, right. is pretty much as perfect as the X Men are ever going to get.
3: Wow,
2: and he does it with such economy of word. I don't is if that's the the way what I'm looking for. He he doesn't the, the the dialogue is not expansive. They when when the characters speak, it's little tiny bursts of of character. Um, you know what I mean? Yes. And, and it's not like a Claremont book where you have uh, where you speech have word balloons, word balloons all over the place. Yeah. And and what's neat is Cassidy's line complements. Whedon's style perfectly because Cassidy's not one to noodle. He 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 uses you know the the least amount of lines to get what he wants on the page, and that goes so well with what the way Whedon has written this. So I think as far as the pair goes, um, it's a match made in heaven.
3: I would say that.
2: And before we get into this, I think we should warn people that there will be spoilers aplenty.
3: Yeah, I mean we don't. Like, like, like Vince said earlier, as far as Civil War goes, you know, we're not, we don't go looking for spoilers. We, we hate coming across somebody who, we we hate coming across something where someone says, hey, and did, did, did you know that Jason Todd was killed by the joke? You know, you don't, things like that, we don't like being spoiled for us. We don't want to spoil something for someone else. However, in this case, because we are going into detail with these 12 issues, there are some things going on that, if you did not read these twelve issues yet, some aspects of the story are going to be spoiled
2: and you can't do the complexity and the care, and you can't do it justice. You, you can't do it justice no. by not you know laying it all out on the table so i mean
3: we could, we could we could very easily say, yeah, and in an issue five or four someone comes back, and you know i mean it's just it's not going to help us try to get it across, and it's not going to help you get a feel for what it is we're trying to do. Yeah.
2: So if you have any intention of reading these first 12 issues of Astonishing X-Men, do not listen any further. You know, save it, put it on the back burner. It'll be there when you're done. Uh, and I, Because, God, I, I would not want to ruin any of this for someone who hasn't read it. So do yourself a favor. Hit the pause button. Go read it or go buy it or go rent it from your... Local library, And we'll be back. We'll be here for you. Here we go. Very first issue. I think this issue is the most important to date in Astonishing X-Men because Whedon pretty much sets up what he's going to do with the team right from the get-go. Okay. How about the title, Gifted?
3: I used to think of it as the School for Gifted Youngsters, but apparently it's the Xavier Institute of Higher Learning. But, I mean, I think it's a little riff on
2: that, too, but... On the uh, the gifted youngsters angle, but I think the title refers to Kitty. In fact, I think Astonishing X Men One to Seventeen refer to Kitty, and they, the book should be called All Star Kitty Pride, as far as I'm concerned, <laughs> because okay. everything is seen through her eyes. All the experiences in this book, all the major developments include her, and a lot of them wouldn't have happened if she wasn't here. So. Kitty's the nexus, as far as I'm concerned, in this series. Okay. And I think Whedon does, too, because Kitty was the inspiration for Buffy. Right. So, right. I mean, it only stands to reason that he would focus on the strong female 20-something to be the the, the, uh, the main character, how about that, of the I, uh, story.
3: I could definitely see it. And it's, it's the only other thing I was thinking about as far as the term gifted would be that the first arc has to deal with... What some people, those that aren't mutants, think that uh, you know, possibly that being a mutant is a curse, and whereas those that are mutants, like like Xavier School said, you know, we're gifted. So, right. you know, we're not we're not short but special. We're just gifted.
2: Look how sneaky Whedon is. Uh, the way he presents these characters, Kitty approaches the mansion, right, and right. we get these little bits of her past, you know, popping up.
3: My favorite one is the one when she's inside.
2: Yeah, from, uh, what's that, Uh, 168. Paul Smith, yes.
3: Yeah. yeah. That Paul Smith guy, I love that.
2: But notice, as she approaches the mansion, she enters it. She doesn't use the door. Nope. Kitty phases through the mansion. I think that is incredibly important to what Whedon is trying to say with this character. Like, it's it's almost as if, you know, that suggests that she's part of the building uh, in spirit, as well as physically. I mean, this is the place where a lot of her most memorable life experiences happened. Right. You know, the stuff with Peter, the stuff with the professor. This is her family and she she just seeps right into the building. She doesn't open the door. That is brilliant because <laughs> it's so subtle. Boop, she's in. And I love the widescreen format. Yeah. This is yeah, a movie yeah. on paper. It really yeah. is. All right, so, it's, you know...
3: It's, it's, it's nice. It's nice having an X-Men book where... and as much as I love the character, that Wolverine is not the focus. Oh, thank and he can, God. He can only, he can only, I mean, he's the focus of practically every other comic out there that Marvel puts out. So it's nice to know. I mean, and other, other writers might have been all for, hey, Wolverine's in my book, so I'm going to have him gut and kill and rend and and just, you know, snarl and grimace. And he's just, every, every issue is going to have, you know, the Hellfire Club scene where he's in the sewer. And not we, he's like, no, no, I... You know, it's nice. Okay, cool. I got, I got Logan. I got my fighter, but I'm going to play with Kitty. Logan's there for comic relief. It seems like, yeah, in and, my and opinion. yeah, just just the one liners, um, and for the beer, and for, um, <laughs> and and for that one scene in issue six that I can't wait to. I, I want. I can't wait to hear your reaction when you when when, when we get to it. Right.
2: Um, yeah. I, let's not undervalue the character uh, Logan, not at all. you know Logan's in here for a little bit more than that but I, I enjoyed that too he's not the focus of the series and thank you Joss Whedon for doing that because uh, you know I love I love Logan but he's overused it's so good that somebody is finally saying hey we got a, a caboodle of characters to work with here and that's another thing that I uh, what really struck me about this this is a stripped down X-Men I mean, all we're talking about Very is... Basic five, you know you, five,
3: six characters.
2: Yeah, and I think by whittling down the number of characters he has to work with, that affords him the luxury of spending a little bit more time with them than if he had this huge cast of characters, you know, hopping from planet to planet. And, you know, he, he gets to to dig into their brains and see what makes these characters tick. And I think that's the, the, the main thing I loved about this series. It's so character based,
3: you know, some might call it blasphemous and, and you know, that's, that's fine. We all take something out of this and, and you know, it's all personal and it's, it's your opinion. So whatever I was rereading this and because this to me kind of feels like what it might've felt for someone that was reading, Giant Size X-Men number one and then X-Men 97, 98 and, and, and when, when the all new all different X-Men were coming on the scene and how this was just something, It although it was a little bit more new because you were introduced with a lot more new characters even though you had Cyclops. To me this is like, this, this is just kind of like it, I haven't been reading X-Men or Uncanny so for me this was my first like major X-Men book again for after a long while so this was kind of like a new feeling, a different feeling. This is I expected a lot when I was picking this up and I got a lot so I was quite pleased with it so I'm just I'm I'm liking it to the way someone might have been picking up the X-Men when Wayne and Cockerman and Claremont and Cockerman and Claremont and Byrne were working on it.
2: Right. It does have that feel. I agree with you. I think it does. It and it and it has that that creep that the the Byrne Claremont issues had. And what I mean by that, they'd introduce something in one issue that didn't come to fruition until maybe like five or six issues later, it was a very slow kind of deliberate pace where they were just letting the story unfold. There was no rush. They, they weren't writing for the trade back then. But, uh, I think this has that kind of feeling to it. It's like he'll plant something very early on. That's just coming to fruition. Now in issue 17, that was just released. That's, (laughs) that's, Planning and and that's what I appreciate. It's it's a very finely tuned series. I like that, and I think Whedon reveals his hand pretty much early on in issue one, as a matter of fact, with the Danger Room sequence. I think this scene is so symbolic that it almost it crackles because it, it works on a whole bunch of different levels. Where um, Scott basically tells the team he thinks. That they should uh, ingrain themselves more as superheroes in the minds of the population. You know they need right. to get into the world. But if you look at the their surroundings, they're huge and they're they're sitting on these Hawai on the Hawaiian Islands yes. as if as if they were these huge, larger than life characters. And you know, Hank says, "Oh, I I just made a mistake with the." Uh, the uh, okay. the danger yeah, room. The, I'm going yeah, yeah the scale with well, I'm gonna try and fix it and over a period of time he does fix it and then they're normal size that is Whedon saying you know what these characters are huge they've been blown way out of proportion they're they've they've almost become gods we've lost what makes these characters characters and I'm gonna take every Pain, I can to shrink them down and bring them back to people instead of these huge guys. Go- I mean, Kitty even says it. You know, this place used to be about spinning knives and flamethrowers, and now I have clouds in my hair. You know, <laughs> they, they, they've become unreachable. You can't sympathize with a character or even understand what goes through a character's heads that has clouds for hair. So, we kind of shrink them, shrink them down a little bit, and, and make them, you know, personalities instead of powers. Right, and I, this
3: this scene is perfect. No, we skipped over my favorite line in that issue, though. What would that be? Uh, that that would be that would be Kitty arriving late because not only did she phase through the entrance to the mansion by the front door, she phased into the Danger Room when they were for basically new student orientation, and she said she was late. And Emma says, "Yes, you're late." And basically, Kitty says. I'm sorry I was late. I, I was busy remembering to put on all my clothes. I just loved that because it is a Buffy line. It is something. It's it's something that my sister would say. I mean, it's just it. It was just it was it was snarky and it was rude and it was funny as hell and it was and there was just all this truth to it that, you know, somebody would really say that, especially to this woman who the first time you met her, she was torturing and trying to kill the people that you just met that are trying to help you and even she even says it that you know that the first time i met you you were trying to kill these people so there is that I'm, I'm watching you and that's basically there. All all there is to it and because kitty's watching her we're kind of watching her because we're basically the series is basically we're, we're kind of seeing this through kitty's eyes more or less
2: well emma is kitty's polar opposite in this yes. series. just from the way they're drawn Cassidy Cass- Cass- to- will draw Kitty. Her hair is disheveled; it's always, a, you know, a mess. Uh, she doesn't—I don't want to say she doesn't care what she wears, but she wears very plain-looking clothes. And then you have Emma, who's physically perfect. Right. She she takes great pains presenting herself as the person that she wants you to perceive. Whereas right. Kitty, what you see with Kitty is Kitty. That's what you That's get. It. And that yes. you know, look at the way Cassidy draws Kitty's eyes. there's no iris at all in in most of the scenes where she's pictured it's just this huge pupil i mean talk about soulful eyes (laughs) and and she's always wide-eyed and very innocent looking and very optimistic and i think kitty is a is an idealist she kitty kitty sees the world as she wants it to be not that not the way it really is and then you get emma who's a pessimist telling this first year group of students that you know they'll never trust you they'll always hate you deal with it so yeah in terms of characters there too there couldn't be two more different characters than emma and uh kitty right yeah and to get back to the danger room sequence again the danger room is acting up look at it; it's wonky and and it happens again in the in the one scene where the they're in like the kids room with the big dolls and stuff. Yes, that's Whedon saying, "Watch out, Something you know might. the danger room's yeah. coming up." So just masterful ways he just s- subtly sticks these thing, things right. in. And another little bit where um, Cassidy really shines. And again, I don't know whether this was Whedon's instructions to him, but the double page splash where the team is walking into the blackbird Yep. you got hank and scott and wolverine and emma looking so perfectly comfortable in their uniforms and you got kitty tugging at her glove and you know what i mean she she's she's not very comfortable with the fact that she has to wear a uniform and and i think the fact that she doesn't wear a mask is very significant like again Kitty doesn't hide who she is from the world. She is Kitty Pride. And you got Scott, who is pretty much the biggest, uh, suppresses his personality the most out of all these people. You know, he's got a mask. Wolverine's got a mask. Yeah,
3: he's practically covered completely except for uh, for his nose and mouth.
2: Yeah. Uh, Hank is a beast.
3: Yeah. I love the little girl
2: so outfit. You never really get the true nature of any of these characters, especially Emma. Uh, but with Kitty, Kitty's Kitty. That's what that's is what that's right. And I think it's so appropriate that she's not. Look at it. She's God. Get me out of this damn thing, you know. And they're all just like, "This is who we are." But it's not. Yeah. It's not who they are. It's so <laughs> cool.
3: I love this series. Absolutely. And even and Hank was even all excited to um
2: to get the costumes. He, yeah, he was like, yeah. "Oh, I can't
3: wait to see him." And I, I
2: think this is Whedon returning to. The Glory Days, getting them back in the costume. The X-Men that,
3: pretty much, the audience that he's writing for, the X-Men that they remember. Yeah, or that he remembers. Right. Because he is a fan. Right, and you you write for yourself,
0: and hopefully people will jump on. Fleshy designate Miguel Rodriguez. Codename, Organic Matter. Geographic location, Portugal. Well, they said I could talk about anything I wanted, even if it wasn't comics related. But uh, I really couldn't be bothered to find anything else to talk about. I mean, let's be fair, anything I say will make this time right now of me talking the best time of this, I'm sure, long podcast. Uh, If you're into the third hour and you're new, I suggest you just don't listen to anything else after I'm done talking. Um, So I'm Mike, well not really, but to keep it simple, uh, let's pretend, that's my name. Um, And I was first forced to read comic books, when I was like 5 or 6, by my mother. She had set herself out to make me the brightest boy in my class. Didn't work exactly like she wanted. Instead, now I have these homicidal um, tendencies, um, thanks to reading that book. Uh, it's been a few years since I read anything comic-wise. I mean, especially by Marvel. Now I'm back and confused. It would be Marvel uh, if I wasn't confused. Nonetheless, and this in keeping with the general guidelines that they gave me, my favorite writer right now is Whedon. Uh, my favorite penciler is Cassaday, and uh, my favorite title has to be, because of all the nostalgia that it brings, uh, Cable and Deadpool. I don't really care for Cable, but I'll endure him. Uh, that's it. Uh, so guys, uh, good luck for the next four hours, and can you please uh, hear more about Man, thing, because I feel that it's been lacking. I do think he's leaving his mark
2: on the team with this series because we get a couple of characters uh, introduced in the first issue, kinda, and a lot, uh, a little bit fleshed out more in the second. The uh, Ord of Breakworld, who I love this guy. I, I I think as far as X-Men villains go, he's he's one of the better ones. Okay. Uh, but we'll get more into him because he doesn't really make his intentions clear in the first issue. He just shows up and starts ripping people apart at a at a
3: fundraiser, charity event, f-
2: at a fundraiser. Yeah, right. So, and then we get the the big bomb. I think is uh, the cure devi- yeah. devised by uh, geneticist Doctor Kavita Rao. Where uh, she's you know found friend a- of Hank McCoy, right? Supposedly found a cure for the. Uh, the mutant genome, which she causes a, what she called a disease, an aberration.
3: Yes, yes, and 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 the cure is called hope. And I just I just have an issue with with it being called the cure. I don't, you know, why that phrase? Because the people that have accepted their abilities, or that have come to terms, or are happy with them being mutants, they don't, they're not diseased. They don't see the need for a cure. So I've always, and I understand where he was going with that term, but it and it's and it's and it's worked because it's always rubbed me the wrong way. But she doesn't care. No, she doesn't.
2: As far as she's concerned, the mutants are the problem. She will do what she has to do to get rid of them. Yeah. She 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 thinks they're a threat, and it's ironic because there's other characters in here that see the mutants as a threat, which we'll get to that. So. They're they're all on the same level as far as I'm concerned. The she wants to eliminate the mutants because she thinks they're a threat to humanity. Ord wants to eliminate the mutants because he thinks they're a threat to Breakworld. I right. mean, they're basically the same character. With, That's true. With yeah. you know he with varying degrees of you know she won't kill. She doesn't want anybody to be harmed, but he really doesn't care. He'd take out the whole planet if it meant you know to save his his people, but. Yeah, the, the, and and in every case, for someone to be saved, a whole race of people have to be snuffed out, and that's right. that's really ironic. <laughs> Second and third issue are basically the X Men tussle with Ord, who makes his intent a little bit clearer, but not right. but, but not by much. And if it and wasn't
3: who, who saves the day?
2: Yeah, I was going to say that. If it wasn't for the <laughs> uh, amazingly timed arrival of uh, Lockheed, the X Men would be no more. I don't think, but probably I, my
3: favorite X Men.
2: The thing that got me about the second issue was the paparazzi scene. I mean, yeah. I don't, I don't think I've ever seen that in an issue of of the X Men, where they're, you know, they're coming out of a altercation and there's a, a bunch of photographers there taking their picture, treating them like celebrities. A like little the Fantastic bit, Four. yeah. It's it was very disconcerting, and that's where they dropped the bomb that uh, Rao has found a cure, and there's like air quotes around that, you know.
3: Right. In the in in the second issue, we see Beast breaking into Benetech to to talk to uh, to Doctor Rao, and she, you know, it's just you're right. It's it's a continuation. I mean, the first issue built you up and 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 got you amped, and the second issue just kept going along with it. And, and they, um, you know, they were tested. Ord was setting this all up as far as the test goes. And um, I'm guessing everybody, everybody played their part. I don't, think, I don't think Ord was doing anything that he wasn't anticipating the X-Men to do. Except, except,
2: not do. except getting his face a little french fried. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. I, I, I don't think he was expecting that. <laughs> Probably but, not. Yeah, issue two, it, it's a good issue. And again, like you said with uh, Emma, I don't think I've ever seen Emma... I mean, people equate Emma with a cold bitch. I mean, there's a reason why she turns into Diamond.
3: And that's another thing. Uh, when when did that start to happen? When 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 was she? That's she that's the Amber? Morrison run. Okay. Yeah. Is this, is this just another aspect of her powers?
2: It's it's an aspect of her powers, but it, if you think about it, it's an aspect of her personality. She, yes. You know, she throws up that that diamond hard shield, and nobody's getting past it. But I think Scott has managed to do it. Because, you know, I don't think I've ever seen her this vulnerable. And, and I, I'm looking at the scene that you talked about with Kitty where, you know, it ends when I, I can smell you. Right. If you look at Emma's face at the bottom panel of the previous page, she's tearing up. Yeah. I mean, and it's so subtle. It's just like a little tiny highlight underneath the eyes, but there's no question that she's feeling it. And, right. and that's the thing that got me about this whole series where Emma seems to be struggling with something. You don't know what until you well, read, yet. yeah. Right. But if if you, in hindsight, you know, y- you can see where she's not, she's struggling with whether she should do something or not. And one thing I do have to say is she does love Scott.
3: Yes, or or she puts up a um, she puts up a hell of a front. Well, I don't think, she's think a it's good a good actress. That yeah, might, I don't. If she if she doesn't. And there's a lot of internal conflict going on, right?
2: Well, look at that scene where they're in bed in the first issue. She's she's nuzzling with him, and she's yes, you know, all scooshed up to him with the no panties on, and kind of
3: like the way I wake up every morning. Oh, me you know, too. face right next, yeah,
2: to you. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I mean, she's facing him and kissing his shoulder, and he he's turned the opposite direction, you know, as if, not, as if she's not even there. So not she. J- she she what's wrong with him she i mean she, <laughs> she definitely does love him but she sure can be cold sometimes yes
3: yes yes yes
2: yeah and issue 3 another significant character this wing kid
3: yeah who yeah, don't, don't don't get too attached to him but yeah right, right. Yeah. yeah well
2: um i think mr wing here is in here to play off the fact that hank Well, I'm getting ahead of myself here. This Wing kid is a mutant at the mansion um, who is so in love with his abilities. He's just tickled pink at the fact that he can fly. And it's really significant that you don't learn his name. You, You learn in the first six issues he's only called Wing. Right. You don't know his his real name. You know it's always Wing, so that pretty much speaks volumes for the character right there. He is all about the mutant power, and then you get Hank, who is like Jesus. If I can get you know normal again, I would do anything. Right. Right. You, know? I can, so you know, so you have my this
3: fingers and just have right.
2: a kiss a woman, and then you get this kid who wants nothing more than to be an X Man. What? How opposite can you get?
3: Well, it also helps that that Wing can blend in with. Uh, normal folks. I mean, yeah, he, he can fly, but but the look, fact that he, he looks like you and me. Right. If, if you know, we were good-looking and drawn by Cassidy, but... Well, I am. <laughs> <laughs> drawn by Cassidy? Yeah. the uh, And although, you know, being a big blue furry right cat-looking guy, I mean, that, that, that might not have its downsides, too many downsides. But, but no, I, I know exactly what you're saying.
2: Yeah, and take notice whenever he's in the mansion, he doesn't walk... He flies through the corridors. He does. Right? he does. So this kid is just loving the fact that he's, you know, got this, the X-Factor. He's, he's a mutant, right. And, and then Hank is, that's what brings him to odds with our Logan buddy. And know? that's the
3: thing. with. And, and so, so far we've had, Lo- in three issues, we've had Logan fight Cyclops and we've had him fight Beast. Right.
2: And he's, and, and he's been right in both instances.
3: Well, I don't. I don't know. See, I don't think he has been because, first of all, who are you to tell me how I can or cannot grieve? If if Logan thinks Scott being with Emma is, you know, he's being sarcastic, he's being a wise ass, and he's asking, you know, what, where in the grieving process does it take, to, you know, shacking up with 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 the super hot blonde chick? Okay, fine, that's 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 a smart remark. I can deal with that. But who are you to tell me whether or not I did not love someone so much? that I can't be drawn to someone else.
2: Because Logan feels that by shacking up with Emma, he's not doing her memory justice. Who is
3: Logan to say that? Because Logan loves her. Scott, that's fine, but Logan's not Scott. No, he's not.
2: Scott was the lucky one that got the woman. But I think Logan's right. I think uh, there have been a lot of indications in the past that Gene was more... Compatible, I should say, with Logan yeah, right. than she okay. was with Scott. No, I
3: could, I could see that. I, I can, and, and I'm sure that that even reared more in the Morrison run. So I can, I, you know, it's always like, you know, the girl says she wants the tough guy or, or, or the bad boy, but they end up with the funny one or, or, you know, the one that makes them laugh or, you know, whether they see you naked or not. And it's just, it's, I'm more like Scott than any other than almost any other character. Don't say in that. comics period. Don't no, say that. I, because and 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 when we get to issue seven, then it's um it's it's even more noticeable because of something that's going on because of, of of a conversation Emma's having. As far as the other instance with Beast, again, why does Shortstack think he's so high and mighty that he can first of all, if I okay, I, I get every one of his points. You're an X man, you have to be stronger than everybody else sack up. You have to live with this. That's fine. But you can't force somebody else to feel something you feel just because you know, and, and now he's worried that if someone, you know, that, that someone told him previously, he's devolving. Now, how do you deal with that? So if, if, if there's a glimmer of hope in something else, whether or not you act on it, that's that that's not the the relevant point here. The fact is that this is something he's dealing with. Don't you tell me how I'm supposed to feel about this or what I'm supposed to do. It's my life.
2: They both do the same thing. Hank is afraid of devolving into the beast so he's holding on to that humanity any way he could. Right. And Logan, on the flip side, is afraid of the humanity so he slips into beast mode when he starts feeling things. That's right. that's that's what happened there. You know what I'm saying? Logan saw this guy, his one of his very best friends, at odds over what he should do, and Logan just—it made him feel his own turmoil. So he erupted. That's what Logan does. Um, and he's—he's I, I mean, it, you know, he's right. They're at a crucial point. If—if—if if, if Hank said, you know what, I'm taking this cure because I want to be human, it would have been all over, because it's—it's it's not okay for an X-Man
3: to. you're right. The timing—the timing was wrong. You know, it's right. not I—I like, I wouldn't expect. You know. All of a sudden, i run to the blackbird, and and here comes you know, Dr. Henry McCoy. Looking, you know, normal being being a Homo Sapien, not a Homo Superior. I that would have been the wrong time. They have they have a crisis to deal with. They have something to do. Don't do it now. I can get that. Right. But my um my my issue though is just you know is is just having you know, having someone else tell someone else. How they should be feeling, or what they should be, or what well, their I, actions should be.
2: I think you're reading a little bit too much into it. I think Logan just. It's coming did. from you? No, I think Logan just. Shut up. I think <laughs> Logan did it because he was his friend. Okay. He, you know, he, and he knows what he's feeling. He's, he's very, very much aware of what it. this guy's struggling with about this whole bestial nature thing. He knows, he he's, does it every day. No, no, yeah, okay. so I right, just think so, I, it, it it was it was it was a fight and they almost destroyed the friggin' room but I think right. that was Logan tapping him on the shoulder saying, "Hey bub, you you can't do this. Not right now. Maybe later on. Okay. But you're an X-Man." All
3: right, that helps.
2: Okay. Yeah, I I, I think it was I mean, you not Logan's not going to sit down with a cup of cappuccino and, you know, with the pinky <laughs> sticking out and say, "Let's just, dis- you know, let's discuss this, my friend." It's not going to happen. At right. least maybe not until Oh, seven issues down the road.
3: <laughs> There's a little None
2: bit of a little bit of foreshadowing there for you.
3: The um, do you think uh, you think Whedon wrote this podcast?
1: This is Chris Naisman from the Around Comics podcast, and true believer, you're listening to Bullpen Bulletins.
3: Another kittyism is in issue three, where she turns to Emma and says, "Oh my god." You teach ethics, <laughs> right? I
2: love that line. That up. was great. <laughs> yeah, that was great. Um, again, this issue sets up something to come with the uh, discovery that shield weapons were used by the thugs that Ord had hired to right. bu- bust up the fundraiser. So, yeah, it's,
3: nice, nice conversation between between uh, old uh, old Slim and oh, uh, Colonel Fury,
2: and, and tell me that. Cassidy does not draw a killer Nick Fury. He does. Uh, just the uh, there's a little bit of Clint kind Eastwood of John, in there
3: and, and John Wayne I'm thinking. Yeah,
2: and it's there's a little bit of Staranko in there. It's oh, just yeah.
3: it's so perfect. He makes he makes Fury wear that shield uniform. Just it fits. There's just nobody mm-hmm. else could be in that outfit It's just as He's no David Hasselhoff, but I think you know it just it it really does it. It and, it uh
2: and, and right. even Nick Fury everybody in this series wears a mask and I'm not saying mask as you know something over the head everybody has something to hide Fury knows damn well what's going on and he lies to Scott it, 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 everybody except Kitty this is just a bunch of phonies running around and with Kitty in the middle you're right but damn if Whedon didn't pull it off issue 4 the amazing well,
3: Actually, but even even before issue 4 what kills me is that Every time they talk about someone who's dead or who yeah. might be back from the dead, or yeah. who I'm not really dead, as soon as Hank comes in and says, "Yeah, this DNA sample ugh, I just I can't understand why you know people just can't stay dead. The first person that pops into Scott's mind. And And, and Emma's look. And look at Emma. She's not looking at. She's not
2: looking at Hank. She's looking at Scott. No, she can't believe it. It's like she's she's, like she said. I got the best body money can buy. I'm intelligent, and I still rate below a corpse. Yeah. And and if I was Emma, man, I'd dump his ass so fast. (laughs) Uh, What does the guy have going for him? Except he's all right. He's a decent leader, and he's very much. uh, He's very protective of his team. I'll right. give I'll give him that, but as far as personality goes, and would you want to be married to a Scott Summers? I'm not. I mean, uh, you know,
3: uh, uh, the female equivalent <laughs> of Scott Summers. I wouldn't. Um, no, you're right. It's 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 just. It's like you could be walking. You're in a restaurant with somebody. You're at the movies, not with somebody, but you're in a restaurant and you overhear a conversation, or you're somewhere with a group of people, or you know somebody, and you're just like, my God. I have no idea what she sees in him, or what he sees or why did he marry her. And, and right. there's always someone you know like that. That's them. There is something there that draws that person to the other. And you're right. I don't know. You know, maybe, maybe you know, Scott's got a really strong case of of of, uh, of Spanish fly that he just you know he just keeps using, and and that's how he gets them. But you're right. I, I don't. I I understand where where people are coming from when they say Jesus Christ. You know, the guy's a dullard. You know why? Why of all? Well, why is she with? I can understand that. But he's got something. He's got something going for him. Yeah. He he he, he gets the women. I don't. You know. I can't.
2: He's loyal. And maybe that's. He's a puppy, he's a puppy dog. I, I mean, he's loyal, but at the same time, he's he's not. Just like that psychic uh, affair he had with Emma in the Morrison run. You know, he professes to love Emma, but he's still thinking about Gene. He'll right. al- he'll always think about Gene. Also, oh, he's a dog in more ways than one. Well, I don't know if you can call it a dog. It's, I mean, he loves who he loves, just like Logan. Logan will always carry the torch for Gene. It, that's just how it is. But, I mean, yeah, he was, ma- well, almost married to Mariko, right? Right. And did... Gene is the one f- has been the one in his mind all the time too. So right. I, I don't know. I, I'm not good with relationships, you know what I mean? When you're when you're <laughs> st- stud muffin like me, you just walk
3: away when you're done. That's it. Yeah. Like a band-aid right off. <laughs>
2: <Yeah. laughs> all right. Issue four is th- is another one of those jaw droppers that I I never saw it coming. No. Because if I don't read a title and I see a little bit of news, Online about that title that I don't read. I won't read the t- the news. I don't care, you know. And I wasn't reading astonishing. So to tell you the truth, I had no idea Colossus came back, <laughs> and it was such a kick in the nuts when I saw it. Yeah. But um, let's just segue into this issue. It gives a little bit more uh, background on why Ords doing what he's doing and why he's acting the way. He acts, and I think that he's got the same nobility of purpose that makes Dr. Doom a good villain. Okay. That's, I thought you were
3: going to say Magneto.
2: No, no. Well, yeah, I guess, yeah, Magneto too. But, uh, but
3: I can definitely see Doom. Okay.
2: Yeah. he's uh, Doom is not altogether altruistic, but for the most part he is, and I think this guy is too. Uh, Ord just wants to save his people from this mutant threat and he's he'll do anything to 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 save them uh killed friends and family in a in an arena for what did he say uh for decades he worked to be the one chosen for this task to come to earth to and get the mutant that he thinks will destroy his planet right and um that's that's in the same ballpark as doom you know doom wants nothing more than to protect his people and i think this this guy uh feels the same way but you know, I think there's a little bit of vanity in there, too, with Ord. You know, I'm the one that's going to save my people, damn you, and I worked hard <laughs> for it, you know. But in 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 terms of uh, villains, I think he's a very interesting one. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. You, f- you feel the same no. way?
3: No, he, he I mean, because at first I was just like, wow, he looks goofy. He's just, you know, he, he's he, just... Yeah, he is another, a bumbler. just another villain. He, yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. I mean, he's, he's and like any Whedon villain... Because whether you're talking about Caleb in 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 the in, in the last season of Buffy or or the mayor from I want to say like season three or four, I mean she always had yeah I got nothing. She, <laughs> I know she always had um, witty villains. Like they weren't they weren't just they weren't cookie cutter bag, Oh, I'm gonna you know they weren't Blowfield. They weren't gonna like tell you their plans and then you know you somehow escape. They were wise asses. You know they were the kind of guy that. You were so glad when they got there is because geez, just shut up. Just, right. I need to beat you up just because you annoy me so much. And he's, he's like that. Wow. He's just like, like, like with that whole, um, that whole, that, that, that dragon thing. I mean, that's later on, but he says, oh God, that dragon's behind me again, isn't he? And, yeah. and, and, but even before that, where he's, he's, he's just toying with Wing and, um, and that's
2: and, that one little scene where Hisako and Wing meet. Or in the hallway of the mansion, right. and Cassidy just nails it with the toothbrush. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the focus of that scene is this huge alien terrorist and these two kids. And what do you zoom in on? The fact the that toothbrush. she just stopped and dropped her toothbrush.
3: Yeah, and it's it's hanging there in the air. It's a beautiful scene. I, I love that. I mean, and going back to the first issue where 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 they're walking into the to the hangar to get into the Blackbird. He's just He's quite a cameraman. He's just got yeah. such a way with with yeah. the layouts. Well,
2: yeah, like I said, it's a widescreen movie and comic book form. It yeah, really is. Absolutely. The majority of the panels are uh the full width of the page wide you know
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: You get you know, there's a little bit of a little eruption of your your half panels here and there, but for the most part, every panel's wide. Yeah. Um and I think four really showcases Cassidy's abilities like when 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 kitty's sinking through the the uh sub basement and oh, you yeah. you get this the long vertical and it's panel dark oh. and black yeah and, and you you'll, you'd have somebody who'd said oh Jesus, i guess he doesn't want to draw it but to me <laughs> that i mean as as far as graphically feel that's a kick to the nuts yeah
3: yeah absolutely
2: and uh the dialogue again with Whedon, and uh the whole i'll leave a message thing with ord that was beautiful
3: and and it was so it, it was neat how you had ord at the mansion to basically to attack the x-men and the x-men are at benetech where ord hangs out not were, were they there so much to get ord or just to get more information
2: no they were there to find the identity of the mutant being used for that, the, the right, test, because
3: they, at at this point they didn't know that there was a relationship between ord and and Benetech, right, right, right. Okay.
2: They just thought he was a uh, some kind just of alien, alien right. terrorist or something. But um, and speaking of the identity of the mutant whose DNA they're they're cribbing to uh, create this drug, can there be a better creature type to pin to an autopsy table than a butterfly?
1: <laughs>
2: I mean, <laughs> butterflies are symbolic of you know your freedom. And they're, they're beautiful creatures, you know, they're, like I said, they're freedom incarnate, and this one is pinned to an autopsy table. Yeah. That's just like, who else does that kind of all-encompassing, I mean, somebody just would, uh, a lesser talent would have just, you know, put a, a, a mutant, any old, you know, mess with yeah. their nose, Star Trek villain mutant, but it's Absolutely. a, it's a butterfly. I mean, what does that say? That he <laughs> the, the, um. You know, these guys are trying to. It's. It. They're crushing the mutant's freedom with this drug. They're. They're. They're grounding them. They're taking away what makes them. I mean, you, you, you stop a butterfly from flying, and you know, that's it. It's not a
3: butterfly anymore. And I'm. I'm looking at the page now, and. And you know it. And thank you because, I noticed Wolverine, I noticed Beast. Here comes Cyclops coming into the frame. I see this person on the slab. I never noticed the wings. Ah, see that's what so, I'm here for I know, you're right. you're right Not just for looks And and you're right It's, it's yeah, you're absolutely right The butterfly I mean, I mean, it's just it's, it, it, the,
2: the, the, he, the only thing he could have done To stress that point anymore Was to stick a big pin That's you know said, through her, is a butterfly Through her chest But, and then um, When, in the next issue We're jumping ahead here a little bit When Hank confronts her with it And, you know, look what you did And then in the tussle the The butterfly woman falls on top of yes. um, Dr. Rao. And she, and she can't move. The The results of her her madness are like crushing her and she can't move. And that's just freaking brilliant
3: stuff. And I do have to say though, since I'm on this page with the butterfly, if you go down to the last panel, I love Cassidy's Wolverine. Yes,
2: me too. I do. That
3: is such a super... I, I want that to be my new avatar. On and form, you know you,
2: you know the thing I like the most about it, and this is going to be sound weird, I like the fact that the 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 black parts consisting of his eye sections that they overhang the nose.
3: Yes. And even on the chin. Yeah.
2: That says to yeah. me that this costume was not made by, you know, Dicker and Dicker of Superhero <laughs> <That's> Hills. This <laughs> yeah. was probably made by somebody in a room somewhere. That's, that's Handmade that's it's, it's, it. it's it's just those little tiny details that are yeah. just awesome stuff. stuff.
0: Yeah. Bless you Brian Salazar Codename, Sal, also known as Pain in the Ass. Cross-reference, Around Comics. Begin.
1: Hey guys, it's Sal from Around Comics. Or, should I say, Sean. Thanks a lot, buddy. I know, I know, you met a lot of people at Chicago that weekend, and it's not like I did anything that you might remember my name for. Say, like... Getting you a John Ramita Jr. autograph for your birthday or anything? That's all right, pal. I understand. Anyway, after listening to Bullpen Bulletin's numero uno, I was all set to record a nice piece for you guys, welcoming you to the podcasting community and telling you how much I love the show. But then I listened to episode number two, or is it 2A? 2... Uh, whatever... You should have just called it that episode where Vince thinks everyone else has a twisted fascination with the Swamp Thing rip-off man thing, and tries to get you to listen to those horribly cheesy records he bought from the library. Show? Really, Vince, I know you want to celebrate all things Marvel, but some love should really stay in the closet. I think even Stan would agree with me when I tell you, enough said. Don't worry, though. When I wasn't fast-forwarding, I thought the show sounded terrific. Of course, your idea of Terrific and mine may be completely different, considering how you spoke of Agents of Atlas. I mean, come on, you praise a book like Annihilation, but can't squeeze a good book into your stack? Don't get me wrong. I love Giffen's bwa work on Harrow Squared and JLA Europe, but just because Annihilation is a joke doesn't mean it's funny. And don't even get me started on artists. You blast away at Billy Tan and others, but... Bow down before the likes of Scott Collins, Umberto Ramos, and Pasquale Ferry. I'm speechless. Almost. Although, I do have to remind myself that with all the Kirby love in your heart, you don't have much room for artists that can actually spell anatomy, let alone use it in their work. So let's just agree to disagree, shall we? Or at the very least, agree that you're kind of blind. Seriously though, guys, I hope you're having fun. And I can't wait to hear more. Your love of Marvel is apparent and infectious, and I think you're doing a great job. So to my two favorite Marvel zombies, Vic Z and Donald, I say Excelsior. Oh, one more thing. Did you hear they're bringing Swamp Thing back? I hear Greg Land is penciling. I can't remember who the inker is, though. Eh, doesn't really matter now, does it? Until the next time, make mine around comics.
2: And Kitty phases down through the sub basement, which she thinks is the sub basement. Right. Alerts the guards to her presence, and that scene when she realizes it's Peter and he runs through her. Yes. Now, you would think. Yeah, yeah. you would think a person that could phase doesn't care what they're phasing through, they ain't going to feel it. But Peter does a, a head on run right through her. And she touches her heart after that. Yes, it's like, oh, you can sum it up so easily that here's this guy that made this girl feel so much, and even when she's phased, she still feels him. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And it's and he and she she just grabs that symbolic kind of focal point of the emotion in the body, and this oh my god, it's Peter. But and 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 I don't think she really notices that it's him until he runs through her. Right. you know she she kind of knows that dave hey, this could be peter but and then he he runs through and she grabs her heart and then she says peter
3: you know look at you uh-huh. and yeah look at you hey, how you doing hey brother and <laughs> and and, and he, he's too busy crashing people's heads into walls and he's like kitty yeah
2: that and that a great scene that that one scene where he's grabbing her by the waist and he says you know god am i finally dead yes look am I? look at kitty's face you want to just cry yeah, I mean that's right. that's emotion. That's Cassidy. That's the, that's his strength. And it's all so through great. this, all through this book, the twelve issues, and this is a compliment to John Cassidy. I almost feel like um, John Severin is drawing Wolverine. You I know I what? I, you're I, right. I get such a Severin vibe out of Wolverine and Fury. Fury's face too. It looks like a John Severin. That's who I was trying it, to think of Because
3: I'm like yes. Because I'm 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 going back to those Cracked magazines when he when, yeah because when, that's that's where I got the bulk of my Severn I know he did work with, with the western heroes and, and Marvel um, was it Marvel Fanfare anthology type stories that he worked on for Marvel but I remember him from Cracked mostly Severn did right.
2: westerns right and Cull the Barbarian and you know Severn was all over the place and I mean the guy comes from EC Comics so he's been doing it quite a long time and yeah, it just that oh,
3: absolutely yeah Severn, and it absolutely. gets it gets
2: really apparent in the issues after twelve. But we won't say anything about those because we don't want to spoil it for anybody. Right now, Colossus is back. Why we don't know at this point. But I will say that the cover to issue five, I think it's the worst cover in the run. It's just. I, th- I is, don't
3: is is that the one with, uh, with, the, one with everybody the standing in no, 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 the no, hole in the wall? It's
2: the one with the fist, Colossus's fist and the X-Men oh, thing. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, that
3: was that was a very that reminded me of those old um X-Force covers by uh yeah. by Mark Picula. And, and
2: I I'm all for minimalism. I mean, there was a bunch of guys going off today about uh uh astonishing 17 how they thought the cover was weak and it was a cop out, you know, Wolverine's little head down okay, at the bottom right, i think right. i think it's a brilliant cover this not so brilliant this is just laziness you
3: that's know not, not a shining moment
2: yeah I, and, and you have to like take into consideration that if these issues were so late and Cassidy's doing the covers too you know he probably said oy ve i got to do a <laughs> yeah, cover just, here yeah.
3: <laughs> just get this out of here yeah
2: but i so yeah if that's the the, the one complaint i have about this whole series is that goofy cover man all right, Wing finally realizes that he doesn't have any powers after Ord stuck him with the the cure and Kitty talks to, you know, Colossus in the sub basement and finds out that he has been tested for years.
3: Yes. Ever since that. And she brought his ashes to Russia and he says thank you. Sweet. And, you know, she's just and but but leading up to that with the whole just just tell me if you're a clone, if you're a robot tell me if you're, you know, just somebody evil so, so I can just kill you and get it over
2: with yeah, and I especially like Ord's comment at the bottom of the one page where he says you know, congratulations Peter Rasputin your death has saved mutant kind from the legacy virus, now if there was ever an indication that these two characters are the same Ord and Peter they're not the same in execution, but they're the same in purpose. Peter saved the mutants from the legacy virus. Right. Ord wants to save his people from the mutants. They're both saviors in a right. sense. And again, that's what I think this whole series is about opposites and analogs. You've got characters that are of like mind, and you've got characters that are total opposites. And it couldn't be clearer with Ord and, and, and Peter. They're cut from the same cloth. It's yeah, just that, just that. You know, the, the way they go about things and one is an unwitting savior i mean i don't think peter knew you know that that he saved everyone because he was dead
3: well but but, i mean the reason he he put his life out there right
2: he sacrificed and and so did ord ord worked his way up through the ranks in the arena or whatever he had to do the uh the combat thing and he just for the right to save his people and Peter just gave himself up willingly. they kind of, you know, it's the same thing going on there. Oh man, jeez. If you, if you want to look for symbolism, I and I look for it. That's me, baby. I I eat that shit up. I'm the anti-deemer. I see symbolism in everything. <laughs> <laughs> and again, the end of this issue uh is very cool where the wide-eyed look of emma wolverine and and hank when they see peter for the first
3: time i I even wrote that down the look of hank logan and emma was yeah yeah absolutely and but right before that actually i have a friend of mine who whenever we go out to eat he makes sure that the waitress the waiter does not bring any parsley on 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 the food or on the plate and and i'm wondering if it was because he might have come across the white queen at one point (laughs) And the other, th- and, and what, what kills me though is that he even used this term. He used this, this phrase and all Wing wanted to do, like you said, is to be a superhero, be a mutant. Once, yep. you know, he, he, he embraced his power, but then he realizes it's not that my power's gone or my gift is gone or I'm, he always probably saw himself as normal. You know, he doesn't say anything negative. He says, I'm cured. Right. And what are you cured from? I don't again it's just it's like why have you would you of all people I can understand if if McCoy said that hey I'm cured he 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 wanted to take it or he wants to take it and 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 you know he wants to stop looking like the beast or devolving, but for this character to say he was cured that 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 just threw me a little bit and that's the thing he wants least in the world right to lose his powers so so to use that term that's 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 what kind of that, like I said, just drew me for a little bit, so you had the cover. I have this kid in this term and and again, and at, right after we get that whole look from Beast Wolverine, and white queen and and Wolverine goes ahead, you know, go ahead and finish it, Peter, go ahead, you can take him out, and here comes Shield to save the day, yeah, but Not I, our day
2: in the 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 one part where Peter's pounding the crap out of oh or and and he goes, I am made of rage, right why did i hear brother theodore in my head
3: (laughs) you you know that
2: brother theodore guy rage and i'm thinking i'm ruining it i'm ruining the scene get him out of my head but yeah what a powerful powerful um you feel those blows as they you know as they strike and yeah and And then how how
3: tough does horde have to be to take them you know any colossus be pounding on anybody and they ain't walking away from right that. see that's
2: and the thing about ord he looks goofy he's somewhat of a bumbler but damn if he's not effective a lot of the time and anybody who can stand up to a beating like that you know they have to have my respect
3: yeah he got no offense in, did he did, did, did he land a punch yes he did he did okay yeah
2: he landed a couple okay it, it oh went, that's
3: right yeah because i remember i remember uh Velazquez's jaw, his mouth, went all, uh, went all rocky when he got punched in the face.
2: And then, like you said, S.H.I.E.L.D. arrives to uh, put a, uh, a stop to the situation. And we learn in Issue 6 that Ord gave Dr. Rao the raw material to devise the cure. Right. Which is very interesting. And then uh, we're also introduced to the sword, The Sentient World's Observation and Response Department. Yes. Who handle extraterrestrial matters. Now, again with the opposites. You've got terrestrial shield. Now, when you think of a shield, you think of a defensive weapon, right? Right. But now these guys are called sword. I don't think a sword is defensive. They're offensive. Yes. You know? And she, again, this um, Agent Brand, she... Hydra hair. (laughs) Who's hot. Uh, I don't care if she got... (laughs) You know, she's got the Polaris that, doing that's everything. That's all right. She's... she's. I mean, there's so many characters in these six issues here that are trying to save their people. You get Ord. Now we have Agent Brand, who's working with Ord to save her people, doesn't care that a whole race of individuals has to die just for right. the Earth to remain free from this war with Breakworld. And then you get uh, Dr. Rao. She wants the same thing, so... It's it's analogs again. Uh, the um, the mutants who lined up around the Benetech building in in search of a cure come crashing in. Oh oh my and, god! And, and the shit
3: did, hits the fan. But did you see who, um, the, When the mutants attack, I I saw Rorschach and and I saw somebody that looks like Harvey Peckar.
2: You bastard! I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> I said they are being attacked by a throng of Harvey Peckars. <laughs>
3: Talk about being bored to death, but in that in that same, yeah, I know right, <laughs> watch me on Letterman, if you look in that same issue, you also get in that same panel I mean you get um you get uh look over to the right a little bit,
2: You also get the goofy Captain America with the motorcycle
3: yeah, see, and that's who I was trying to figure out who the hell was red white and blue boy and and before I forget to make up for your lousy cover to issue five the cover to issue six make up for it
2: oh good god yes Let's talk about subtly my ugh, just the, the way the, she's phasing the way she's in, phasing uh, through him yeah and you just wanna uh,
3: and he looks so forlorn I would love to get that as a
2: and look he's so noble like I will hold you and yeah, cradle you I, I'd, I'd be throwing her on the freaking bed at that point <laughs> he
3: looks like played a heart. yeah
2: but that's just me you know I will phase yeah, you is, yeah. phase out of your costume wench <laughs> <laughs> So they were being attacked by mutants. Right. The, the mutants are coming in and the chaos the ensues and, and, and Ord takes it upon himself to beat feet out of there with Tilda, uh, using her as a hostage to get the hell off, yes, off the Yes, because he's planet. so noble. Right. But little do we know that that was not a sub-basement. That was his ship. Or it takes Which will on also
3: explain why it was a different type of metal than uh, right. that kid he was used to ever phasing
0: through.
2: Right. And the the high point of this issue for me and it's and it even hit harder because it went unspoken. He didn't cram it down your throat. He said to the old time readers, this is for you. And yeah. and only you were gonna be in on this joke. The fastball special.
3: That's it. Oh. Yeah,
2: to it, Petey. And, and and to think about a guy who can hurl another human being who logan's not light into the no. into the freaking upper atmosphere what's that got to take the and Tower of lenin and of course logan saves the day or it comes you know it's forced to land but it's only it's not an ending it's only a, a temporary reprieve break break world is still going to be a factor in the future the the drug is still going to be a factor because although they destroyed what samples we're, we're in the lab, and Doctor Rao's work. There still exists the, the the samples of this drug somewhere. I mean, it, 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 Hank and, has one.
3: Yes, yes, and and whether or not, and Scott even asked him if he's going to use it. But you got to go back and look at how pissed Ord is when Wolverine sticks his arm in Ord's mouth.
1: He says, you I bite, see. I'll
3: I, heal. <laughs> i pop you won't and or it's just like you son of he looks and like something out of out of that, Disney movie. that
2: yeah. panel's warner brothers that's, yes. a, that's a warner brothers panel look at the it's just like don't you know and <laughs> it, it's perfect it's that's that's my if i had one word to pick to describe these six issues it would be perfect they are it, i i can't find other than you know that cover there's, it's so, it's amazing the complexity of what Whedon and Cassidy are trying to do in six issues, and they pulled it off. And it doesn't, it doesn't seem preachy. It doesn't seem overly wordy. It's not over rendered. It's just, it's, it's perfect. And 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 damn, I don't know how he pulled it off. Somebody who came from outside the industry, and makes everybody else doing it look like pikers, on his, <coughs> on, his on his first attempt. Yeah. It, it's it's crazy when you well, think this, about it. his
3: first, on, on his first. Well, Marvel. Attempt playing with the right, yeah. playing, playing with the yeah. the big boys because the, I didn't read the, um, the fray miniseries from Dark Horse, although I, I want to, and um, I don't know how much involvement he had with the Angel or Buffy comics, but we um, mm-hmm. you know it's not his first comic book writing. But I mean to just yeah to come into Marvel and say listen I'm I, I feel like writing some mutants this yeah you couldn't have asked for a better first time.
2: Brilliant. And let's not forget, uh, for the second six, who it was that requested Kitty's presence at the X-Mansion.
3: Yes. But, again, was that her, or was that someone prodding her?
2: Right. Well, we know it was someone prodding her, because let's just say she figures into a plan bigger than herself. Right. So, yeah. Oh, and I, I think, I do think Emma is Emma, and she always will be Emma, but... I also think that there's certain things going on here that are causing her to be a little too bloodthirsty, and she's regretting it. And you can see the regret in her eyes every time, you know, she looks away from someone. Look at the way she looks at uh, uh, P- and Peter and Kitty. and Kitty, yeah. Yeah, in the yard, yeah. I mean, you know, she's she's wistful. She wants that.
3: But she still has to be Emma by, by right. answering to, he's a good-looking boy, isn't he? If you like tall, muscular, square jawed, unbelievably gorgeous type, uh, I suppose it's all right.
2: And and I and, and it's it's Kitty and Emma that have the real zingers as far as
3: dialogue goes in this the first six issues. You're right. It's just electric. Whedon, and this is this is a compliment. This isn't this isn't meant in any any way negative. To me Whedon is a writer who's on par with Peter David. The way Peter David can write people, I think Whedon does a better job. But he's in that uh that area that realm right,
2: and I think I'd have to agree with you on that. He has the the nuances down on what makes people people, yes, and it's not the costume or the power it's it's what comes out of their mouth and what they how they act, and sometimes it's how they don't act and what doesn't come out of their mouth and I think Whedon and right and um, that, and um, because Peter Davis
3: today also right, okay. Yeah,
2: and Cassidy too. He doesn't overrender, right? You know, he doesn't draw every fold. If 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 the focus of a scene is Kitty's eyes, that's what you focus on. He's he's got a knack for composition where you know your eyes going exactly where he wants it, baby. Strong diagonals. You know, he he knows how to compose a scene. Yeah, he makes very uh, good use out of negative space, and the guy can draw like a bastard.
0: Join us next time when I take Center Stage as Vince B. and David Bryce examine astonishing X Men issue 7 12. Dangerous. You have no idea.
2: Come back to bed, my love.
1: I'm on top
0: this time.